Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. As you can see, I'm here in our front royal studios, which is very rare. And uh, today's show is all about population control. You sh have heard, I'm sure, that the Georgia Guidestones were blown up. You might not have seen that they're all about population control, but we're going to get to all of that. But remember, as we get into this subject, that the very first commandment to all mankind listed in the scriptures, you'll read it in Genesis 1.28, was this, it was very simple. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it, said the good Lord God to mankind as his first, very first sort of commandment that you'll ever read in the scriptures. So the devil is all about the opposite of God. And thus you have heard for millennia, actually, the want to curb fertility and cut down the population of the earth. Did I say millennia? Yes, I did. And you're going to see that the propaganda for this was everywhere. In fact, I'm sure you're going to recognize it. Check this out. This is from one of the latest Marvel movies. If you watched closely, you'll notice Thanos, the great villain, but sort of, was talking about it. Check it out. Titan was like most planets. Too many mouths, not enough to go around. And when we faced extinction, I offered a solution. Genocide. But random, dispassionate, fair to rich and poor alike. And they called me a madman. And what I predicted came to pass. Let's begin as we always do with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now you'd think with such a strong admonition from the scriptures that the church would be very steadfast in maintaining its belief on life, family, and culture, and propagating life, the truth of what God told us, to be fruitful and multiply. But Pope Francis is actually going totally against the roots of Catholicism with the concept of population control. But let's look at it first from the beginning and see how even in the earliest of times there was a move to curb the world's population. In fact, in Exodus, the Egyptian pharaoh called for the genocide of male Israelite children. If you remember, he said to his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are numerous and stronger than we. Come, let us wisely oppress them, lest they multiply. And if any war shall rise against us, join with our enemies, and having overcome us, depart out of the land. You'll find that in uh, Exodus 1, 9-10. But the more they oppressed them, the more they were multiplied and increased, say the scriptures, and the Egyptians hated the children of Israel and afflicted them and mocked them. And the king of Egypt spoke to the midwives of the Hebrews, of whom one was called Sephora and the other Fua, commanding them, when you shall do the office of midwives to the Hebrew women, and at the time of delivery has come, if it be a man-child, kill it, and if it a woman, keep it alive. Attempting again and again to control the Israelites, Pharaoh finally resorted to murdering innocent baby boys. So likewise, in the New Testament, 
Herod called for the deaths of all newborn sons to thwart the coming of a king more powerful than himself, if you recall. And the scriptures tell us, then Herod, perceiving that he was deluded by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and sending, that's sending soldiers, killed all the male children that were in Bethlehem and in all the borders thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. So in both cases, the Bible tells us of a ruling elite that fears the people that they're meant actually to serve. Now, let's see how the modern push for population control compares to these biblical accounts. How exactly did this push for population control come about in recent years? Well, it's time for a little historical background. Currently, concern for ecosystems seems to even outweigh the concern for human life at all. An assortment of scientists and public figures have made statements about the dangers of overpopulation, overpopulation by man, by the way, especially for other species on Earth. In 2009, Professor Eric Pianka, an American herpetologist and evolutionary ecologist in the biology department of the University of Texas at Austin, was interviewed on his perspective on population control for the sake of other ecosystems. Have a look at this. There are too many of us on this earth and we are taking too much of the earth and too many habitats and there are more people on this earth than earth can support. And if that's not bad enough, he talks next about diseases that may thin the herd. You gotta watch this for yourself. It's gonna look like, but it's gonna be awful. You're quoted here, one of the most controversial uh, quotes from this address that you gave, it's been quoted in a lot of places, is about disease and you're talking about the various naturally occurring diseases that could could thin the herd, basically. Um, you're talking about Ebola, and then you said HIV is too slow. It's no good. Most people think HIV, you know, isn't bad because it's too slow. It's bad because it kills people. What did you mean by that? We are an epidemic waiting to happen, and because we're so mobile and so dense, we can get on airplanes and fly right. across oceans. No, I think uh, disease is going to spread fast, and the people who've studied this. The epidemiologists that, that's a common view, and medical I mean, people are very, very concerned absolutely. about the next pandemic. So according to this professor, population control is inevitable. He says, if we don't control our own population, the microbes will. In 2010, and again in 2017, Prince William, very famous figure, he spoke in the same kind of crazy terms about population control and the need for it in his speeches honoring the Tusk Trust. In his 2017 speech, he said, and I quote, in my lifetime, we have seen global wildlife populations decline by over half. Africa's rapidly growing human population is predicted to more than double by 2050. A staggering increase of three and a half million people per month, he said. There is no question, he added, that this increase puts wildlife and habitat under enormous pressure. Urbanization, infrastructure development, cultivation, all good things in themselves, but they will have a terrible impact unless we begin to plan and to make measures, to take measures now. On human populations alone, overgrazing and poor water supplies could have a catastrophic effect unless we start to think about how to mitigate these challenges. He added, we are going to have to work much harder and think much deeper if we are to ensure that human beings and the other species of animal with which we share this planet 
can continue to coexist, end quote. The prince received some backlash in the media, all echoing the same criticism that he was the father of three and ought to begin population control with his own quote-unquote large family. More recently, Jane Goodall, the English primatologist and anthropologist who has named a UN messenger of peace, spoke at a press conference during the 50th annual meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, in Jan on January 22nd, 2020. You know what? You've got to watch this one for yourself. We cannot hide away from human population growth because, you know, it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there, were, if there was the size of population that there was 500 years ago. So it's unreal. These people are out front with these notions that many of us think Oh, it's conspiracy theory. No one actually thinks like that. Well, sure enough, they do. Her sentiments echo those of Professor Pianka and Prince William. Even prominent church figures, and I have to say this is the saddest thing, even prominent church figures have taken up this kind of population control propaganda. In fact, even Pope Francis has. In 2015, Pope Francis made these remarks concerning fertility, and I'll quote, I believe that three children per family from what the experts say, is the key number for sustaining the population. The key word here is responsible parenthood, and each person works out how to exercise this with the help of their pastor. Sorry, some people think, this is again Pope Francis, sorry, some people think that in order to be good Catholics, we have to breed like rabbits, right? Responsible parenthood. This is why there are marriage support groups in the church with people who are experts on such issues and there are pastors, and I know that there are many acceptable solutions that have helped with this. And another thing, for poor people, children are a treasure. Prudence is needed here too. It is true, responsible parenthood, but also recognizing the generosity of that father or mother who see their child as a treasure, end quote. It's hard to know what to say, but this is Pope Francis. As opposed to the constant teaching of the church, and as we read before, the first commandment of God, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So it is an unbelievable thing, but it's no surprise from Pope Francis, who has scandalized with his comments and in fact promoted contraception. Look up our Zika virus coverage on LifeSite if you're wondering about those remarks. But who are these experts in population that Pope Francis is referring to? You know what? Sadly, most of these propagandists, and that's what they are, have come to the Vatican. In fact, one of them is Bishop Marcelo Sanchez Serrando, who was appointed by Pope Francis to be both the head of the Pontifical Council for Sciences and Social Sciences, so two Vatican uh, groups, and he heads them up, and under the reign of Pope Francis, he's been inviting all the world's population controllers uh, to the Vatican to speak. But Let's begin with he himself. In fact, Bishop Sarando, in 2017, talked at the Vatican. Uh, he was talking with birth control advocate John Bongartz, who he also invited to the Vatican, by the way, about the population control issue. Sarando's connection to population control elites is actually very clear, not only from his bringing them to the Vatican, but also from their fetting him and having him sit 
on the leadership council of the Sustainable Development Solution Network. And that's an organization launched by UN, then UN uh, Secretary General Ban Ki-moon, a man who promotes the so-called right to abortion worldwide and has criticized the lack of safe abortions in conflict zones where it's illegal. So on the Leadership Council, alongside Bishop Sarando, are Jeffrey Sachs, Ted Turner. They're probably two of the best-known promoters of coercive population control in the world. So speaking in broken English, Sarando said, I'll read it for you, but I want you to watch it for yourself as well, that he's talked about not knowing the real teaching. Most people basically don't know the real teaching of the church on issues of population control. And then he gets into it himself. You know what? You got to hear it for yourself. Listen. Many times we don't know exactly what is the doctrine, doctrine of the church. We know some part, but not all the doctrine of the church about the, the question of fecundity. Now get this. To that, he adds about what the church teaches on fertility according to him, which is a completely new doctrine. Listen to this. Of procreation is the education of the woman. Because when we have education, we don't have children. We don't have seven children. Maybe we have one children, two children, no more. And this is also an obligation for the church. And after, and in the end, I want to say that also in the catechismus of the church, say the state has a responsibility for its citizens well-being. In his capacity, it is legitimate for the state to intervene to orient the demography of the population. And this is also an idea of the, of the Catholic Church. Okay, so we want to unpack that. That's incredible. First of all, to the great delight of population control activists all over the world, um, he talks about having one children, one child, maybe two. Uh, but then he actually adds that the state can enforce this in some new definition of his own theology. Remember the statement from St. Paul, if I or an angel from heaven were to come and give you a, a different teaching from that of Christ, let him be anathema. This sounds like it scores high on that level. Sarando also invited, if you can believe it, the father of population control himself, Paul Ehrlich, to the Vatican Conference. Paul Ehrlich is the one who wrote in the late 60s the book The Population Bomb that really launched a lot of this with dire predictions about world overpopulation and unsustainability and how, you know, we're all going to crumble if there's too many people. And Paul Ehrlich was invited to the Vatican. Now, that seems so insane that LifeSite actually set up a petition. We got 10,000 people to sign on to beg the Pope, don't do this, don't go there, that would be horrific. Meantime, oh, by the way, the Pope of course, ignored that and let him come anyway. But not only that, we interviewed Paul Ehrlich about going to the Vatican because, of course, this is really interesting. What is this guy going to the last place on earth he'd ever thought he'd be? You know what he told us? He told us that he was very happy with the direction in which Pope Francis was taking the church. Go check that interview out on LifeSite News. So another one who was there, a supporter of forced abortion, John Barngartz, he uh, was the vice, or is the vice president of the Population Council. Also, Jeffrey Sachs and Ban Ki-moon uh, were also there, invited to the Vatican. So, this stuff is as strange as strange can be. Sarando 
when uh, we talked about why they invited Paul Ehrlich to the Vatican, here's what he told LifeSite News, and I quote, He's a specialist in these things. That's why we invited him, because he's a specialist in these things. He wrote a bunch of books on that, so he's a specialist. <laughs> LifeSite actually invited Sarando uh, to, to comment more, and uh, he started invoking St. Thomas's principle of double effect. Sorondo even claimed that Francis's declarations on the gravity of global warming as expressed in the encyclical Laudato Si are magisterial. They're magisterial teaching that are equivalent to the church's condemnation of other grave evils, specifically abortion and euthanasia. So it seems that these church officials um, want to push this radical environmentalism, which uh, just a little while ago was radical environmentalism, as if it were church teaching, just as important as abortion or euthanasia. And he says, if not more so than the preservation of human life and human dignity. So, unreal what happened here. Please go check it out at LifeSite News. Now, other powerful voices have made statements regarding population control as well. Not so much from the area of science, but big business. Bill Gates is actually well known for his population control agenda. He has this to say. Check it out. What parents are doing is they're, op they're trying to have two kids survive to adulthood to take care of them. And so the more disease burden there is, the more kids they have to have have that high probability. So Gates follows this logic, explaining that countries with the worst health conditions have the highest population growth. He concludes that the solution to these expected population peaks is better health conditions. So there's a perfect correlation that as you improve health, within a half generation, the population growth rate. So in the same vein, listen to what Ted Turner, the founder of CNN and Melinda Gates, have to say. So Melinda and I wondered whether providing new medicines and keeping children alive, would that create more of a population problem? You know, Melinda actually repeated this comment, recounting a conversation she had with her husband, Bill Gates. And what the developing world does not need is more children. Hmm. And I think that was the biggest aha to Bill and me when we got into this work is we asked ourselves, of course, the same hard-nosed question you'd ask, which is, if you get into this work and you start to save these children, will women just keep overpopulating the world? And thank goodness the converse is absolutely true. So they're all very upfront about needing to control the world's population. But the question we have to go back to is, what does Gates mean when he says we want to improve health? Gates seems to think that it will reduce the population, so improved health for him includes ready access, of course, to abortion, euthanasia, contraception, and that's no surprise to those who know what Bill Gates' dad used to do. Bill Gates Sr. was a trustee and board member of Planned Parenthood. So, with Bill Gates' dad in mind, the concept of improving health care then points back to Planned Parenthood's definition of improving health care. And we can get that from what's known as the Jaffe Memo. It was written in 1969 by Frederick S. Jaffe. He was a vice president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America. He was the founder of what's now the Guttmacher Institute and an advocate for increasing the availability of family planning services in the United States. And it was sent to Bernard Berelson, 
an American behavioral scientist known for his work on communication and mass media. The memo's official title was Activities Relevant to the Study of Population Policy for the U.S. This memo is essentially a list of population control tactics organized under headings, either universal impact or selective impact based on socioeconomic status. In other words, the memo supplies methods that can be applied to a population as a whole or to specific demographics, such as a particular race or social class. It lists social constraints, economic deterrence, and incentives, social controls. It's called Measures pr Predicated on Existing Motivation to Prevent Unwanted Pregnancy, which include payments to encourage sterilization, contraception, abortion, and to improve contraceptive technology and, quote, improve maternal health care with family planning as a core element. So when Bill Gates says to improve health, this is likely what he has in mind. The memo even offers the solution of fertility control agents in the water supply, end quote. And before you say that that's too far-fetched, there's proof that this was at least envisioned. Check this out. In 1968, just a few months before the Jaffe Memo was released, at least three news articles were released covering it. Williamson Daily News in Los Angeles featured, quote, birth control drugs in the water supply. On November 14th, the Montreal Gazette featured, quote, just water, no pills needed, end quote. And on November 15th, also in Los Angeles the, uh, and the Virgin Islands, Daily News in New York released, and I quote, Will a drink of water provide birth control? And that was on November 25th. The Jaffe Memo echoes the principles of the American Birth Control League, which was founded in 1914, which later became Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger, one of the world's scientific racists, followed the principles of Thomas Malthus, the economist who proposed the theory of exponential population and arithmetic food supply growth through a population control program that made use of birth control, abortion, and sterilization. A militant believer in the sexual revolution and birth control, Sanger met many eugenics supporters and became a strong believer in the eugenics movement. She founded a magazine called The Birth Control Review in 1917, which combined Malthusianism and feminist principles of sexual license. This magazine explains her solutions for population problems, as she called them, and is a clear testimony to her scientific racism. Here's an excerpt uh, from an article in the Birth Control Review called The Plan for Peace that was released in 1932. The first step would thus be to control the intake and output of morons, mental defect, epileptics. The second step would be to take an inventory of the secondary group such as the illiterates, paupers, unemployables, criminals, prostitutes, dope fiends. Classify them in special departments under government medical protection and segregate them on farms and open spaces as long as necessary for the strength strengthening of moral conduct. With the future citizens safeguarded from hereditary taints, with five million mental and moral degenerates segregated, with ten million women and ten million children receiving adequate care, we could then turn our attention to the basic needs for international peace. <laughs> That's a direct quote. In her 1930s article entitled, A Code to Stop Overproduction of Children, 
she described eight articles by which she hoped to purify the human race. Take a look at a few. Article number four. No women shall have the legal right to bear a child. No man shall have the right to become a father without a permit for parenthood. Article five. Permits for parenthood shall be issued to married couples upon application, providing the parents are financially able to support the expected child and have the qualifications needed for proper rearing of the child. Article eight. Feeble-minded persons, habitual congenital criminals, those afflicted with inheritable diseases, and others found biologically unfit should be sterilized in cases of doubt and should be isolated so as to prevent the perpetuation of their afflictions by breeding. <laughs> in the Mike Wallace interview in 1957, Sanger talked further about her views on parenthood. Take a look for yourself. The greatest sin in the world is bringing children into the world that have disease from their parents, that have no chance in the world to be a human being, practically. Delinquents, prisoners, all sorts of things just mock when they're born. Clearly, Sanger was a strong advocate for the eugenics movement. She was very open about her thoughts on the issue. And when asked um, about why she became an advocate for the birth control, she said the following. Take a look. I was, uh, I was what I would call a born humanitarian. I don't like to see people suffer. I don't like to see cruelty, even to this day. And in nursing, you see a great deal of cruelty and unnecessary suffering. It seems unnecessary suffering there uh, would mean anyone who's born biologically unfit, as she described in her article from the 1930s. So when asked if her methods would be misused in the case of a theoretical couple, a healthy, well-to-do couple who did not want children, for that reason used birth control, Sanger asserted that if they were intelligent, it would not be a misuse anyway. Misuse of your methods? I don't think it's a misuse. I think if, if they're intelligent, adults, but they must know what they want. They must manage their lives yeah. themselves. And certainly there's nothing birth control. Then there isn't other things that you might deny yourself. So, lots of people promoting population control. Uh, some more blatant, as was Margaret Sanger. Well, look at the propaganda. In the beginning, I showed you that short clip from the Marvel uh, movies, and it's true. The Marvel Cinematic Universe inserts population control not only there, but multiple times all over the place. But it's not only Marvel. Think about all of those films, those disaster films, where the world is coming to collapse. It's usually based on some kind of environmental collapse related to overpopulation. So let's go back to those Georgia Guidestones. I mentioned them in the beginning. They were a monument in Georgia that was a symbol of the New World Order and a One World Religion. Some mysterious man commissioned the building of this monument, massive, massive stones, and they sat there uh, for presumably for future generations. But get this, they, were, they had writing on them in Arabic, Chinese, English, Hebrew, Hindi, Russian, Spanish, and Swahili. And according to the Guidestones, the following 10 principles were offered to ensure humankind's future survival. Number one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. Number two, guide reproduction wisely improving fitness and diversity. 
Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, rule passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. And number 10, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature. <laughs> so, on July 6, 2022, the stones were destroyed with explosives, according to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. Check this out. The GBI just releasing this video hours ago, and you can see there is a bright flash and then part of the structure explodes. The Guidestones are in Elbert County and were built back in 1979, but no one knows who put them up. You know, with the destruction of this monument to the New World Order, we have a foreshadowing of the end of the forces of evil intent on destroying God's order. But for now, they have made inroads even into the church, as we've seen. Nevertheless, the constant teaching of the church guides us. You know, the Pontifical Council for the Family released the Ethical and Pastoral Dimensions of Population Trends on May 13, 1994. This document addresses the population control issue in this way. It says, and I'll quote for you, ethical principles must particularly guide pastoral work in the area of demography because population questions affect the family with regard to the freedom and responsibility of married couples in their task of transmitting life. As well as it says, and I quote again, the pastoral work of the church must take into account different current and future effects of the declining birth rate in many countries, end quote. The document addresses the concern for resources as follows. It says, and I quote, it must be kept in mind that the amount of resources at the planet's disposal is neither predefined nor unchangeable. The history of societies and civilizations shows that during certain periods, some peoples were able to exploit hidden resources or resources neglected by previous generations. Thus, throughout the centuries, humanity's resources have neither stagnated nor diminished. Instead, they have increased and become more diversified." End quote. The document continues to say, moreover, if the use of agricultural technologies in the most advanced countries is studied, it is apparent that from now on, people are able to produce sufficient food for the world's population even if the hypotheses of international organizations were to be verified according to their highest projections, that's projections of population increase. All this does not even take into account the technical progress yet to come, end quote. So, in response to the concern for the environment, the document goes on to say this, according to a frequently repeated affirmation, the number of the Earth's inhabitants will cause growing pollution or the degradation of the environment. However, it says, no one has ever shown any direct cause and effect relationship between population growth and the degradation of the environment. So Pope John Paul II firmly asserted the church's stance on this issue in Familiaris Consortio in 1981. 
And get this, here's what he said. One thinks, for example, of a certain panic deriving from the studies of ecologists and futurologists on population growth, which sometimes exaggerates the danger of demographic increase to the quality of life. But the church, he says, firmly believes that human life, even if weak and suffering, is always a splendid gift of God's goodness against the pessimism and selfishness which cast a shadow over the world. The church stands for life. The church is clear on what we, the people of the world, ought to do. The Pontifical Council for the Family says that, and I'll quote, Christians and all people of goodwill should be informed so as to understand how populations differ in their conditions and evolution. They should s develop a critical spirit regarding the population crisis ideology. In other words, we're encouraged to remain level-headed and pursue the truth of the matter. The leaders of the world will try to evoke panic, but we should be hopeful in the face of these troubles. As the saying goes, God will not give you a cross that you can't carry. And in the face of these attacks, the church will firmly support the rights of family and human dignity. Finally, John Paul II was the one who actually sent pro-life groups all around the world in the 90s to the UN to fight population controllers, the very same population controllers that are now invading the Vatican at the invitation of Pope Francis and Bishop Sarando. There is so much more to cover here on this subject of population control. We've just really scratched the surface, but I want to thank you for joining me on this first foray into the matter. There's much more to come. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. May God bless you.